It's a very old school mentality of just word of mouth. And yes, that's still very present. I still get a lot of work through word of mouth, but social media you know, on, and being present online is so important for, I think, any business. Hi guys, welcome to episode three of the podcast. So you heard from me last time. Now it's time to find out about the other half, my significant other in this podcast series, uh, Cal Thompson. Okay, Cal, so tell me about you. I am a freelance camera operator and I work for a variety of video production companies, agencies and broadcasters, shooting all sorts of TV commercials, branded web content, corporate video, live events, music videos. And I'm also the director of my own video production company called Dead Pixel Films and I oversee the whole project from start to finish and we work with various different brands doing a lot of social media content. I've been very fortunate to work with some of the biggest brands in the world like New Balance, MyProtein, Asda, Fevertree, DreamWorks and I first got into the industry years ago. Like I was messing around with my friends making jackass videos when I was like 14, 15, like me and my brother used to set each other on fire and ride bikes into rivers. And we, you know, we were just, we idolized the likes of Bam Margera and Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville. And just, I don't know why, looking back, it just, it was just ridiculous. Very funny, but for some reason we thought, you know, we could do it as well. The same with a lot of my friends. So I got a camera for Christmas and we used to film each other doing little stunts like this, messing around. Uh, so I never thought anything of it, we were just being, idiots shooting on high eight v8 like high eight tapes and then i'd have to digitize it and by doing all this I, I learned how to operate a camera i learned how to edit you know i had to um just figure it all out i learned how to use premiere when i was sort of 14 15 years old by you know going on the internet and you know using dial-up internet before you know fiber or adsl or anything like that Didn't so that horrible noise and nobody yeah. could phone the house because I was on the internet <laughs> learning how to edit. You oh know? God, who's, so on just, the, who's on the phone? Yeah. Who's on the phone? For, for hours in an evening. Yeah. And so I just learned on the job. And then we sort of transitioned into World War II films. So there's actually some still online if you, if you care to explore. Interesting. Um, where we used, me and my friends used to dress up as like Russian soldiers and, <laughs> and Nazis and, and just run around the fields because I grew Good up Lord. in rural Lincolnshire. And we just run around with fake guns and shooting at each other, and then we'd add muzzle flashes on in post. So I figured out how to use After Effects, and it's obviously looking back, it's absolutely atrocious, but it was a great learning experience. But I never anticipated doing it professionally at this stage. This age, I was just messing around with friends. Like when I went to college, I was kind of almost like not pressured, but steered, as you will, by my family to go down more of an academic uh, route. So I studied physics, computing, and mathematics A level. You look a bit nerdy like that. Th yeah. Oh, it's because I wear glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Glasses, um, yeah. But I did terrible. You know, I I didn't enjoy it. I really struggled. I was failing classes because deep down, it just wasn't really really for me. And I you know I had a conversation with my mum when I was sort of seventeen, and she said, "Well, you're really into this film thing. Um, why don't you?" study that for a bit so I took on a course as film and I got an A immediately I made a short film aced all the essays and just had a wicked time still didn't really know what I was going to do with my life okay sort of I graduated college at 17 so I was one of the younger ones in school and I was going to go to Australia for a year to 
I don't know, like clean up weeds or something like that. It was kind of like a little traveling adventure experience, but it's as part of a package. So you kind of just go with them and they look after you and you go fruit picking and all that sort of stuff. And it wasn't until like a week before I was going to fly out that I kind of had a conversation with my parents. I was like, actually, this is pretty stupid. I'm spending money to go fruit picking. They're like, well, you, you did quite well at film. Why don't you go do that at university? I was like, yeah, all right, that sounds like a good idea. And literally a week later, I <laughs> went to university. I went through clearing, got into Staffordshire University, studied film production technology. It was a four-year degree and had an absolutely wicked time. I made some amazing friends. I made sh a short film every single week. I worked in studios. It was very much like gear heavy. It was a VSC, so it was very, very technical. And, you know, I did one exam my entire four years and it was all about making films and, and working as a team and be part of productions. So I had an absolutely fantastic time at university and learnt a lot. You learnt all the, the skills that I needed to, to be a professional filmmaker, as it were. So when I graduated university, I, I just needed a job. Like in the UK, especially when you want to work in the media industry, the options are London or Manchester, pretty much. I, you know, I grew up in Grimsby on the East Coast and there's nothing really there in terms of media at all. University was in Stoke-on-Trent, I didn't really fancy staying there either. Didn't really fancy London because it's just so hectic, so busy. I'm a bit of a country boy, so I just didn't want to do that 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 grind, as it were. So I chose Manchester. Moved to Manchester blindly with a few mates straight after university. Got a job as a marketing rep, funnily enough. Um, and did a lot of public speaking, a lot of social media marketing, a lot of interviews. Like when I was a student, I was actually a sailing instructor. Taught canoeing, kayaking out in Canada for a couple of years. It was my way of wasting my summer. <laughs> so I did this marketing during the winter and then during the summer I went went traveling and I did a bit of freelance work on the side um, because I suppose I always intended to get a job within film not in marketing but I needed a job at the time. So I had a full-time job doing this marketing. I was freelancing doing weddings, corporates, you know, shooting with a Canon 6D DSLR which I got as a Christmas present and just doing bits and bobs and just building up the contacts and the kit. I delivered Chinese food at the same time, three days a week. You know, I just did what I needed to this do. This was before delivery people. This as is well. well before or Uber Eats, whatever the, the cool God, kids yeah. are using. So I did that for two years, from um, 22 to 24, and then eventually I made enough money and you know enough contacts within Manchester to be able to go sod it. Let's try this freelancing thing, and I went. I just went self-employed one April, and that was five, six years ago now and I haven't looked back. So it was a... Amazing story. Great. I mean, although, that's interesting. I never knew about the um, the Jackass style videos. Yeah, What yeah. kind of crazy things did you do? <laughs> just, I'm just out of my personal interest. Oh, what, right. I used to jump you don't out strike of me as a person who'd be into all that, who'd do oh, that right. to yourself. Or... <laughs> well, a lot of the time I would film it. <laughs> I oh, could okay. encourage my brother and my best friend yeah. to you know, jump off a... Of, off the balcony You'd into a great massive in this, bush. This era of YouTube with prank videos now. That yeah, when you this was all well before all that, before yeah. YouTube and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think how old was that? I think YouTube was just had just gone live. YouTube maybe. was about two thousand and five, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was just very much in its infancy. It's not the beast that it is nowadays. Mm. So had I pushed that thing, you know, who knows? I could have been a you know could have leading been prank stunt YouTuber of the world. Yeah, but we just used to make like concoctions of. Uh, all sorts of stuff, put it in a glass, you know, you'd have like mustard and cat food and, yeah. <laughs> and cordial and you just mix it together and in each you'd have to drink it. Mm -hmm. And so you could drink the most before throwing up. Cinnamon challenge, things like that. We, 
Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those daft challenges. Um, just you know, it was just a, a bit of a laugh, really. Sure. You know, like I said, we set each other on fire. We drove, cycled into bushes. We we do a funny one where you tie a rope around your waist. You start really far away from each other and you run across each other That's until ridiculous. the rope just goes taut and you literally like split in half. That's stupid. <laughs> it is That's stupid. stupid. <laughs> But oh, it's funny. God. It was funny. Having seen, I've just started watching Narcos, and at the start of season three, if anyone watches it, there's a scene with involving ropes and motorbikes. So that just brought up nasty images there. But moving <laughs> on from this daft tale of your child of your teenagehood, so I've, I've grown up a lot since then. Have you? Right. <laughs> so you go on to university. When was the point from like you realised that this could be a genuine career that I could do full that I want to do full time? Was there anything else in your head that you wanted to do, for example? Um, I mean, in terms of jobs, there was loads of stuff I wanted to do before I considered filmmaking. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a cartoonist, I wanted mm. to be a chef, I wanted to be an architect. There was loads of different things that, I, as I was growing up, I wanted. I just dabbled in. I tried. And I thought, oh, that'd be quite cool. Oh, let's try that. And I just I was always flipping. I wanted to go into the RAF for the longest time because I was an air cadet for four years. I wanted to be in the RAF regiment. Then I considered going into the Marines. Then I considered going into the the REMI, which is the Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers in the Army. Wow. I've tried. You know, I had my eye on loads of different things, and it wasn't until like you know college when I enjoyed film and I went to university and I enjoyed it even more that I thought actually, you know, having the freedom to be creative and get paid sounds like the best job in the world. So let's go for that. Mm -hmm. And here I am. You've done, some, you've done very well so far. Oh, thanks, sir. I want to link it back to because you did, you said you had this marketing rep job where you learned things like social media, public speaking. How valuable, if you didn't get those jobs, how valuable an experience were they for you in to get to where you are now in building up your confidence and promoting and marketing? Mm. The public speaking was one of the best skills I think I learned in that, that that job. So I would go to universities and often speak in front of 100 students about how amazing working in summer camps was and how amazing teaching kids to learn to swim or you know learn to sail or learn to shoot a rifle was and how rewarding that experience as well as travelling, how great it was. Um, so I kind of almost got a bit of a script. I did it so many times. I learned what jokes worked, what didn't work. It was all through trial and error, basically. I had a rough presentation of what I wanted to accomplish, what I wanted to tell people, but it was through doing it almost every single day for two years that I learned about how, you know, what, about what to say and what not to say. And it massively improved my confidence, it improved my, my sales techniques, and um, I just really enjoyed it. I, really, I actually really enjoyed being on stage doing talks. I mean, I've got a personal goal, and it's, <laughs> it's quite a distant goal, but I'd love to be able to do like a TEDx talk one day. That's one of mine. I Is don't it? know how. I don't what. know how either. I'd like to be one of those people that just gave a talk that really had a good impact. I think overall, like, I like the idea of just... Because it feels good, you know, when you give advice to someone, like a cousin who's younger or a mate. I do enjoy that feeling of you've given some good advice for them, whatever it might be in. Yeah. I like that feeling. So you the, never know. The social media was really good as well, because this is, I said this was sort of six, seven years ago. So 2012, where social media was present, but it's nowhere near as prolific as mm. it is now. Like there are full-time agencies specialising in social media content for brands. It's absolutely massive. And nobody knew like it was going to be such a beast. Like back then, I was just doing like a couple of social media posts, a couple of blog posts to increase your 
your, your brand presence, but yeah, we just had no idea. So even just dabbling was a really good skill, and which sort of snowballed into my understanding of social media today. Hmm. Now, one thing that the reason I initially first heard about you, got in touch with you, is because of your presence online on Facebook, on your blog, your YouTube channel. How and why did you start to do all these things? Was it was there a goal in mind to drive work from it, or just for the heck of it? And yeah. So I first started off with a YouTube channel, and YouTube.com forward slash Cal Thompson, and I did uh, just filmmaking tutorials. You know, I I like I like sharing knowledge. I don't really agree with people that kind of keep it all to themselves. It's a very old school attitude. They're like, why are you telling all this free information? Like, you could charge That's for that. That's your secret sauce, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I, my opinion was, it's not brand new information. It's already out there. I've already learned it from somewhere, you know. And I was just essentially regurgitating this information and putting my own spin on it. And I made short, like five minute tutorials. I put them online, and they got featured in some really high end photography blogs like Petapixel and F Stoppers and all that sort of stuff. And so the traffic was just flowing in, and I, and kind of in a egotistical way. I liked the attention, as it were. I liked that people were liking my content and they were watching it, they were interested, and they are watching the full content, the full, like, between five and ten minutes from these episodes, rather than, like, getting their three-second view on Facebook and it counts as a view. They were, I, the engagement was fantastic in these videos. I didn't make loads. I maybe made five or six. But, you know, some of them are on, like, 400,000 views with people watching the full-length video, which was a really great experience. I, just, I really enjoyed just sharing the knowledge. Yeah, partly it was to do with building a brand presence, building a name, uh, and work did come off the back of it. Same with Instagram. I, you know, I started sharing content on Instagram, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and work has come off the back of it. Where people it creates, have seen, creates interest, yeah. intrigue, doesn't it, and yeah. curiosity. People, like, they see what you're about, they see the great projects you're doing, and they want to get involved. They get to know you, I think, as a person. That's something I've never really done myself. I've just sort of been a bit behind-the-scenes, under wraps with what I do. Um, but it certainly helps. Do, would you recommend this side of things to anyone coming up in the industry to start putting your stuff out there, being public, whether it's tutorials, whether it's your own films, how I think important a factor is it? Um, it depends on your personality and whether you want to be public and be out there, but I think it's almost a necessity, um, especially within the creative industries. Like, You need to be putting content out. You need to be promoting yourself as a, as a brand and, and just sharing what it is you're up to and just be present in people's minds constantly like there's so many agencies or even like websites you see where the website isn't that good you know but they specialize in creating websites for other people and they're all they've always making up excuses like oh we're so busy working on other people's content we don't have time to work on our own and i just i don't agree with that i think if you want to be the best at creating a website for somebody your website has to be shit hot mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so i don't think you can let it slide yeah. So I want to be promoting myself as a camera operator because I, I want to be working on bigger and better projects constantly. You know, I've just started my own production company where I do a lot of social media content and it's called Dead Pixel Films. Obviously you've freelanced for me and done mm -hmm. some sick edits for me and I want to be promoting that as a personal brand and I want to be present within the world. And people need to know what that brand is, otherwise how am I going to get the work? Sure. It's a very old school mentality of just word of mouth and yes, that's still very present. I still get a lot of work through word of mouth, but social media you know, on, and being present online is so important for, I think, any business. Mm -hmm. I agree. So linking that back in, and especially in today's world, the way it operates, the way you've got a whole industry, as you said, of like at United, for example, four people were in the social media team. Um, because of this digital age, how important are things like university for people in the creative industry? Can they just do it themselves? Do they need to go uni, do you think? 
Especially with the fees now, was it 9k a year for yeah. tuition alone? If, if, if it cost back then when I did this what it cost now, I wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. I just could not warrant the £9,000 a year tuition fee plus your, you know, your expenses and your, your living allowance and all that sort of stuff. It's just, it's not worth the investment in my opinion. When I went to university, it was still £3,000 a year. You know, when my friends went five years before, it was £1,000 a year tuition. And like when my parents went, it was free. You know, my mum's got two degrees, completely paid for. You know, obviously she has still had to work and had to be able to be able to afford to live. But in terms of tuition, she doesn't she doesn't owe anything. So people nowadays are coming out with absolutely huge amounts of debt. And whilst I think university was a great experience for me, it really helped uh, build my confidence, make friends, make connections, and network with like-minded people. I became a completely different person when I went to university. It was a really good experience for me. I don't think to be able to do the job I do now, I necessarily need to just go. No. Mm-hmm. I think I could have gone straight into work at 18 and just worked my way up and learned on the job rather than coming out at 21, 22. Yes, I've got a degree, but guess how many people have asked me about my degree now I'm a freelancer? Zero. A big fat zero. Yeah. Maybe they'll ask me like, a couple of jobs down the line just because they're curious like oh did you go to university and I was like yeah I did and a lot of people go well I went to university and I did zoology and now I'm, I'm now a sound recordist mm-hmm. so the fields weren't even connected um, so yeah I think university is great for some people but it's also just the way it's gone nowadays in the UK it's not the right path for a lot of people unfortunately yeah, I think in the creative world it's not as necessary but for certain uh, professions whether it's lawyer Medicine, of course, things yeah. like that. Yeah, if you're going to be a dentist to, or an engineer, you, 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 you can't you need learn those off YouTube videos. You need no. proper tutelage. No. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, nowadays, you talk about social media. What resort, as well as putting your own content out, what resources do you learn from yourself, like from other Facebook channels, YouTube channels, books? What do you learn from now and what do you watch, listen to? I listen to a lot of podcasts because mm-hmm. I do a lot of driving, just yeah. do my job. I'm based in Manchester, but I do a lot of work in London, I'm there pretty much every week, I work all over Europe, I'm flying to Switzerland tomorrow, so there's a lot of travel time, a lot of dead time unfortunately, um, so when you're driving, I'd like to be productive rather than just listen to the radio, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, filmmaking podcasts, I used to listen to Kevin Smith, um, he was very good, you know, Gary Vee, Tim Ferriss, um, they're all very inspirational people, I like to learn, I like to try and be innovative with that time, um, I've considered learning a new language as well, you can actually do that with podcasts and with different like uh, audio books and things like that. So yes, I'm a big fan of podcasts. Um, books, um, I've recently read Richard Branson's um, latest release. Um, very, it's all about the sort of the early days of Virgin as a brand and the stuff he's done to get get the brand out there. He used to do a lot of stunts back in the day. You know, he flew hot air balloons, you know, across Europe. Do you and, know the story of Virgin? Atlantic, uh, is it Virgin Atlantic, sorry? Yeah, which one is it? The where the flights all got cancelled and he decided, he just held up a board saying, I'm flying out with, I'm going to fly home, I've hired a plane, does anyone want to fly? It'll be £300 a ticket or something stupid like that. Right. And with the people's money that said yes, yes, just because that plane, that he found a pilot and a plane that would be willing to fly out. So he got a load of people to board, paid got money for obviously to pay the expenses, made some money from it as guests, and that's how Virgin Atlantic was born. Oh wow. The Virgin Airline. So, <laughs> and now it's massive. Isn't yeah, because he wanted to go in with the approach, because I think back in the day airlines were 
every airline was a bit naff in terms of just the terms space. Of service and service, space, yeah. yeah. So he that was their biggest thing. They really wanted to push that friendly service, exactly. a nice meal in the plane, exactly. entertainment. They were the first company to have the screens in a plane. It's just basically the big term. Do you follow Chase Jarvis? Photographer? Yes, I'm aware of it. He's, he always talks about scratching your own itch, and it's the idea that if you sort of solve the problems that you want to solve, create the market that you want to create for yourselves, because yeah. there's bound to be other people who agree with you. Yeah, yeah. You can find, you'll be able to build something around that. Yeah. And uh, another resource I'd just like to mention yeah, yeah. is actually Facebook groups. So I'm part of one, it's a closed group, but you know, if you apply, you can get become a member. It's uh, just a Sony FS7 group for other Sony FS7 owner operators. And there's constantly questions and answers and people sharing work and innovating. And it's an amazing resource for just finding out what people are, are doing. You know, they'll post jobs, they're like, I need an FS7 operator in San Francisco or Berlin or wherever who in this group would like to shoot. And it's just a great way to share information. I agree. I'm, part, I'm part of a few as well in the edit world as well. And it's so yeah. useful. It's great just to ask advice because everyone, especially in our industry, I'd like to say everyone's a bit daft. So <laughs> you know, you're not one's going to get laughed at. Everyone's just has a bit of banter and you can ask anything, even if it's a silly question. Yeah. It's just an updated version of forums, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas back in the day, you'd have to post and you'd, you'd leave it and you come back a day later. You can come back within two minutes and someone, someone somewhere in the world has given you a response to your question. I love that how that connectivity and that people are willing to help. Mm. It is incredible. I mean, just to link it back to the actual work you do now, um, do you remember that first job where you felt, oh my God, this is actually my first like paid gig and this is it now? I remember Invoice 001, yeah. <laughs> I do. It was um, a promotional video for a hairdresser's down the road. So I had to interview the, the manager uh, who had the raspiest, sexiest cold you've ever heard. <laughs> and she didn't want to be on camera, so I had to try and coach her and then just get cutaways of people cutting hair and make a two-minute video. Amazing. So it really wasn't the most craziest, exciting video, but I was so over the moon that someone was willing to pay me yeah. to shoot and to edit some video content and then submit the invoice and I got paid 10 days later, I, I was over the moon. I remember I did that and it was the same feeling. It's like, wow, I yeah. can make money from this. This is yeah, cool, yeah. this is cool. And it wasn't the, the biggest budget either, but it beats delivering Chinese food for five pounds an hour. Of course. Big time. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's a place for everybody in this world. Mm -hmm. It's just, for me, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah, my goal is that if everyone was just sort of pursuing their own passions and interests, instead of complaining about things they didn't want to do, the world would be a better, better place. place. Oh, that's lovely. Even yeah. if, because there are some, even I know you say, oh, you need your bin men, you need all these, you need your plumbers, but there are people who genuinely in the world who want, who don't mind, who enjoy that life and mm. whatever, so. People in the creative industry don't necessarily consider it work. Whereas other people, take, take your bin men and your, you know, people like that and your road sweepers, they maybe have other stuff outside of work. Sure. So they have a great family life or they have great friends or a great hobby. So mm -hmm. they work as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. so they know they have to work because they need the money to live the rest of their life. Their work isn't a way of life. Whereas I think within the creative industries, we're very fortunate that we enjoy our work mm. and that we almost do make it a way of life. You know, so it's very different. It's a whole personality thing, isn't it? It depends what course, you want to do with your course, life. My, sometimes my job completely takes over my personal life. You know, there are days when I've worked 12 hours plus two hours travel, get in and just pass out and go to sleep. And, you know, I can go, especially when I'm traveling long distances or being away, you know, I can be away from my, my girlfriend and my, my dog for, 
you know, a week at a time, which sucks. I hate it. I hate being away for more than like two, three days. But it's it's so it's almost a necessary evil within this industry that you, sometimes you have to travel. Maybe yeah. lucky people don't. Um, I enjoy traveling, but sometimes being away for long periods of time is actually yeah detrimental. Yeah, you just you sometimes you got to ride the wave, haven't you? Depending on if it's gonna what it's gonna lead to or yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'll just try and bring my dog with me next time. I'm a girlfriend, obviously. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, on these jobs and stuff that have you done, have, are there any particular times where you've really screwed up and you think, um, what you've hopefully learned from those screw-ups? Yeah, I've um, dropped a £600 lens in front of a client before and it's smashed into a million pieces and everyone just looked at me like I was the biggest dickhead in the world. <laughs> and I <laughs> I really was. I just I couldn't believe I'd done it. it. It just skipped off a really weak tripod. I shouldn't have put the camera on the lens on that tripod. Yeah. I'd forgotten a tripod, I had a spare in the car and I just, rather than saying, no, I can't shoot this, I wanted to keep the client happy and, and continue and shoot. And yeah, it broke and thankfully I had a spare body and a spare lens so I was still able to shoot. But I'm trying to do an interview on a Canon 6D with a 70-200mm lens and I'm really close in a really small space. So I'm like, might as well be filming the nostrils, you know, <laughs> right in there. We'll go for the close-up look, yeah. I think. <laughs> and I just had to style it out and yeah. just get on with it. But yeah, I learned the hard way that, you know, hold on to your gear. Yeah. Amazing. Don't trust a weak tripod. <laughs> what other advice then would you, you've mentioned about the idea of putting your work out there if you've got the personality for it, but doing so, what works for you? not dropping stuff when you're on shoots. What other advice is out there for people, whether they've, they're at high school, whether going into uni, going out, coming out of uni, what advice yeah. would you give? The best bit of advice I think I can offer people within the creative industries is to network with other like-minded people. Most of my work over the last sort of five, six years has come from knowing people. It's from sending people a message online, I really like what you've done here, personalizing that message and saying, can I take you out for coffee sometime? And I'm still in, I've still got really good relationships with a lot of these people I met five, six years ago and they've given me work every single month for, for all that time because I just had the the balls, I suppose, to reach out and, and, and network with these people. You know, other camera operators as well. We've got a great WhatsApp group going on in Manchester where we share a lot of work between us. If someone can't do it, so we'll put it out to the group and say who would like to get involved in that group. So I think networking is, is absolutely key within the creative industry. I think you can't knock hard work um, and being a nice person as well. That it goes an absolutely long way. I've worked on sets with some complete and utter assholes and you're never gonna ever work with them. You're never gonna want to work with them again. You're never gonna refer them. You're never gonna try and send work their way. I don't know why some people do it. It's just they, they let their tempers get the best of them and it's absolutely ridiculous. I think being cool and being a nice person to everybody, not just to like the client or the director, um, being nice to the runners, who's who, somebody who's just brought you a coffee or said, you know, they can see you, you're working hard and you're really thirsty, they'll come over to say, would you like a glass of water? And go, that's amazing. Like, there's you know Warwick Davis, the actor? Mm -hmm. Someone told me a story about how really lovely and humble he is on set. Like, he will go up to every single person on, you know, commercial or TV set or whatever and introduce himself and remember every single person's name from the director to the makeup artist down to the runners and he will literally shake their hands and, and say congratulations on your day and I thought that was so nice you know sometimes you do work with with the talent that can just come in do their bit and leave and don't give you the time of day crew very rarely do that because they just wouldn't last mm -hmm. I think I agree that's a massive piece of advice I would 
I would totally agree with. There's never, thankfully, I've always touched wood worked with some good people. Now and again in my time, there's been a few questionable characters, but for the most part, good people. And there's never any reason just to be a, hot, a nasty person. There's no need. No. Just you want, and it sounds cheesy, but having a positive personality, it can really spread. And same with a negative one. Mm. If someone's stressed, if someone's being horrible, it can pass it down to other people. You not you don't get the best out of people that way. Yeah, you time. get the best out of people doing good. And also, folks, as well, just to point out the networking side of things. The reason me and Cal first met each other was because I messaged him on Facebook. I think. Yeah. Got his number. And then we ended up meeting for a coffee. Yes, we in did. In Media City. We did. And as a result, I, we just got chatting about our both of our pasts really but as a result of that he got me involved on a little music video just sort of well a no budget project really he gave mm. me a li- he gave me a little bit of money just oh, to yeah. sort of a little kicker he was good like that <laughs> but as a result we've done a few projects together now and now we've decided to start this podcast so it's incredible the power of just sending a blooming email yeah. or a message on facebook or instagram can i ask you a question of course the back of this how do you feel about cold calling I agree with it. Okay, in what way? I think I got an opportunity in London to spend at a top post house in London for a week. The only reason that came about, I also got a job offer from a trailer house in London, which I didn't take in the end because of the money wasn't good enough and I couldn't live in London on that mm. wage. But the point is I wouldn't have got these opportunities if I didn't. If you send an email, emails can get lost. They get a million emails a day, certain companies, whatever it may be. The idea, if you speak to someone on the phone and you show that nice personality, that person can, for a start, they'll remember your voice, they'll remember, they'll give you a personal email to contact and they'll remember when you called. Mm-hmm. So it opens up so many doors. Yeah. So I totally agree with it. If I used to work in telesales, didn't share that, so I'm a confident person on the phone, I don't mind doing that, but I know some people aren't. How many times have you been told to F off? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I used to sell British gas. So. Um, you got some moody people, but honestly, if it's in this industry, whether you're a, you're a freelancer looking for a new client, whether like you could be ringing up a business, you could be ringing up a company for any entry level jobs or work experience, a phone call is so much more effective because we're in an age where everything's text based and sending a DM, send a text, and not send an email. If the power of a phone call to recognise that one person is so good because when you email, say it's like Janet who answers the reception and she gives you her personal email, she'll remember that Cal or Matty called up mm. and she'll get back to you. She'll refer you on to this person or refer you on to this person. Okay. So I agree with it. I've never once cold called. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I just, that's the reason I asked is because yeah. I've built up a career for over the last five years doing that purely by email because I... I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of stones to pick up the phone and try and get yeah, through some not, of the powers it's, that it's be. It's nerve-wracking. Yeah. It is, but it, I think people really respect it. But I don't like putting people on the spot, yeah. especially if you do manage to get through to someone. I like being able to send an email, have, especially if people... I don't like people cold-calling me. Yeah. It's maybe where, where I've got that attitude. I don't mind if people send me an email with a CV or a showreel, and I go, yeah, I'll check that out when I've got a spare five minutes. And then I'll, if I like it, I'll reply. Um... Yeah, being put on the spot, is, it just annoys me, especially when people are trying to sell you things yeah. that you don't want, or they're trying to lie to you over the phone, yeah. you can't ever get you back up. Don't be a hard sell person, depends on what you're going for. It's more appropriate, I'd say, than for 
when you're looking for work experience where companies maybe expect applications from people and all that. Um, if you're, just, I suppose if you're, you can give something away, if yeah. you're calling them and said, can I come and work for you for free, yeah. for instance, yeah. there's absolutely no reason why they would The worst they're going to say is no. Yeah, That's the we don't do that with maybe. anything. So take that, take from that what you will, guys. But mm. Interesting. it can work, it can work, I think. So just to sort of wrap this up now, I think we can come towards the end of this episode and I'm going to fire the quick fire questions towards yourself. Cool. I think I've learned enough about you. So the first one would be is kind of, so you told me a bit about what you're doing now. What are the general goals and ambitions for Cal Thompson? So I want to continue working as a, as a freelancer, working with you know creative agencies, production companies and broadcasters around the world. Um, I just want to work on cool shit every single day. Very, very simple goal. I also want to build my production company, Dead Pixel Films, and, and try and take on bigger and better projects. And once again, work on cool shit. Cool. That's I mean, simple. I don't, I've not, I don't want to put a timeline on it. You know, I don't want to say in five years I want to own a mansion. Any of that thing. Because Gary Vee says this, doesn't he? I just think it's quite interesting. The New York Jets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't put... Because you might be disappointed when you get there. Yeah. You know, if, uh, I have this conversation with my girlfriend quite often. She, she had this idea in her head when she was younger. Like, I'm going to be married by the time I'm 25. Yeah. And I'm going to have four kids by the time I'm 30. And then when you get to those stages, you, you just... You're gutted. Mm-hmm. Because it, firstly, there weren't realistic goals, necessarily. And putting a time frame on it, it just puts so too much added pressure on yourself. So, yeah, I want to keep them very loose, just work on cool shit. Yeah, just be flexible. Yeah. And, I mean, we talked a lot about work, but what do you do outside of work and, like, stuff, what stuff people might necessarily know about you that's interesting? I enjoy keeping fit. I enjoy going for a lot of hikes. I like to go to the gym every week. Um, I play inter- uh, play indoor frisbee. I play outdoors during the summer because in the UK it's shit course, and cold. Of course, And it yeah. is a real sport, get on the face. <laughs> uh, I used, used to play volleyball, used to... Used to go swimming a lot. Uh, did kickboxing four years. Was one belt away from getting my black belt. But nice. I had to Do you want up. to continue with that? I've been trying to get back into it for a long time, but I've been contemplating just boxing because uh-huh. um, I'm not sure I'm limber enough <laughs> in my my old age. But I've not set aside the time. I struggle, and I'm sure a lot of other freelancers do, with a regular routine. So I've always struggled with, particularly team sports, when people rely on me having to get to training at six o'clock every Thursday without fail. And when a job comes in or I have to travel to somewhere, unfortunately this sport or that activity is the first thing to go. So partly the reason I'm not taking kickboxing back up again is the regular training I struggle with. If I could train in my own time, I would do which is why I love the gym so much because I can just go as and when I'm available. I'm not reliant on anybody. I'm not letting anybody down. It's very much around my own schedule. It's tough when your life is so loose and it can change, yeah. isn't it? So. Some people can deal with it, some people can't. One yeah. of my friends in the RF and he absolutely loves routine. Yeah. He has the same meals Fair every enough. single day for the rest of his life. He literally buys the same food and has the same <laughs> food. Just, I can't get my head around it. It can but help. he loves routine. Yeah. And that's just the way he's wired. And that's okay. I love the spontaneity. Um, and, and just going with the flow. I've got a dog, Freddie. My Labrador, he's my world. My, my girlfriend, Gemma. We're building a, an amazing life together in Manchester. Amazing. So. And the final little tidbit, what advice, I know you're only 28 now, but what advice would you give to that younger, say, 21-year-old self? Um, and for all the other 21-year-olds and young folks out there. Uh, be patient, I think is a good one. Obviously, work hard. Don't expect um, anybody to just to do anything for you. So you've got to go out there and do it yourself. Be proactive in what you want to do, but don't expect it to happen overnight, whatever that, whatever that may be, whatever that task or that project you're working on. 
um, yeah, be patient and, and let things snowball and you will get to where you want to be within the right amount of time. Perfect. Patience is a very underrated virtue, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, that wraps up episode three of the podcast, guys. Thank you very much, Cal, for your time. Thank you for having me. See you on, <laughs> see you on next one, folks.